Chapter Eleven of Tom Playfair or Making a Start by Francis J. Finn, S.J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Eleven, the night of the first Friday in November. It was ten of the night, and though so late in the season, quite warm and extremely oppressive. Above the clear sky was gemmed with stars. In the west hung a thick black cloud. It had been motionless all the day. There was a hush over the dormitory. The feeble light of the lamp at the entrance was utterly insufficient to dim the countenances of the slumberers lying beneath the cupola, and so it would have been difficult for any one to perceive that Tom Playfair, whose bed stood directly beneath the cupola, was wide awake. With the single exception of the night when he undertook to exercise Green, who, by the way, was now his right-hand neighbor, nothing like this had ever happened to him before. To his left lay Alec Jones, beyond him Harry Quip, and last of the road John Pitch. These five were grouped under and above the cupola. The other occupants were at the further end of the room, separated from this row of five by a space of some thirty-odd feet. It will be convenient for the reader to keep these details in mind. Tom, as I have said, was awake. Perhaps a sense of novelty reconciled him to the situation, for he lay very quiet. The subdued breathing of the sleepers was the only sound to break the stillness. Without, the winds were hushed, and no cry of man or bird or beast broke upon the brooding calm of the night. For fully half an hour, Tom, from their different modes of breathing, endeavored to place the various sleepers. He easily picked out Harry Quips, and with more difficulty John Pitches. At this point he grew weary of this new study, and cast about in his thoughts for some fresh diversion. It was hard upon eleven o'clock when he concluded to arise, go to a window, and count the stars. As he was setting foot upon the floor, a silvery, sweet voice, with a sacred pathos in every tone, broke, or rather glorified the silence. My Jesus, mercy! The invocation came from Alec. Tom bent down and gazed into the dreamer's face. Even with the feeble light, he could perceive lines of terror upon the slight, delicate, innocent features. With a gentleness which, on recalling the incident afterwards, surprised Tom himself, he lightly patted the upturned cheek, and forthwith the face grew strangely calm. A smile, tender yet so feeble, that the facial muscles scarcely changed, passed over it, and from the lips came the whispered, Sweetheart of Jesus, be my love. With his hand still resting on the sleeper's cheek, Tom stood gazing upon the radiant face in mute admiration. Amen, he whispered softly to himself. If ever I get to talking in my sleep, I hope I'll do it that style. He removed his hand. Alec opened his eyes. You're all right, Alec, explained Tom, bending low so as to whisper into the boy's ear. You got a hollering in your sleep, and I just passed my hand over your cheek. Go to sleep again. Good night. And he held out his hand. Good night, Tom, and Alec drew his hand from the coverlet to clasp Tom's, displaying as he did so his rosary twined about the fragile arm. Then, very gently, Alec fell into a calm slumber. Looking on such a face, it was hard to imagine that the world was full of wickedness and sin. Tom waited till he felt sure that Alec was sound asleep. Then he murmured to himself, I guess I'll count the stars now. Walking over a tiptoe to one of the western windows, he looked out. He counted no stars that night, for the dismal, black cloud was now in motion, 
advancing ominously swiftly in a direct line towards a small boy standing in his nightshirt at the window Whew, whistled the would-be stargazer green and alec were right after all it is coming back even as he spoke the awful whisper of the approaching storm could be heard a whisper that lasted but for a moment when it changed to a sigh deepened into a groan which grew louder more violent more threatening every second it's getting chilly too murmured tom to himself i guess i'll hop into my pants and very quickly indeed he was fully dressed sailor shirt knickerbockers stockings everything save his tie and his shoes and with his usual calmness returned to the window to watch and wait upon the turn of events the patter of the rain upon the roof could now be distinctly heard while far off from the east came the muffled sound of some distant storm in attempting to take another look from the window tom happened to touch a wire fastening for the window curtain ouch he muttered withdrawing his hand very quickly and perhaps for the first time since his mother's death he became thoroughly frightened a queer feeling had passed through his whole body what could it be there was something wrong about things and the mystery frightened him he had received a sharp shock but he knew nothing of electricity the beating of the rain while tom was still pondering became louder and louder and the boys began to move uneasily in their beds many indeed were now half awake the wind too was howling about the house in a fury of power tom had just reached his bed when a loud banging noise brought every one in the room from the land of sleep and a gust of rain came sweeping in thoroughly drenching tom's bed ah that neglected bolt the door of the cupola had flown open and was now flapping noisily against the lightning rod as with noisy recurrence it opened and shut tom caught a glimpse of the stars on the clear eastern horizon and almost directly overhead that black sinister cloud hung like a curse over st mars even while he was taking in this strange aspect of the heavens the water had formed into several pools upon the floor quip jones green and pitch all of them with appalled faces had grouped themselves beside tom no wonder they were alarmed the frightful banging of the door coupled with the fierce beat of the sheeted rain was an overtax on the nerves of the boldest oh tom chattered green i'm glad i went to holy communion this morning so am i answered tom say boys i'm going to shut that door even if i do get a ducking good-bye and he made a dash at the ladder unmindful of the rain which almost blinded him he succeeded at length in securing a hold on the door but pull and tug as he might the wind now at its height held its own till at last in a sudden lull the door yielded to his efforts now if i could only get my hand on that bolt he never finished the sentence for as he was still groping about for the knob the wind in a sudden rise sent the door flying from his grasp there was a sharp clanging sound and the dull noise of some heavy object beating upon the roof and as the door torn from its hinges pulled the lightning rod down from the cupola tom lost his balance and was thrown backward from his perch happily for himself he was flung upon his bed whence he rolled to the floor two boys assisted him to rise and gazed anxiously into his face on that occasion tom far from being stunned was unusually awake to every impression his senses had become sharpened and as he rose to his feet he took in the whole scene at the other end of the dormitory stood huddled together all the boys save harry pitch alec and green the prefect was just advancing from the group towards them tom could see all this for the simple reason that a cassock figure he recognized the president of the college had just entered with a lamp that lighted the whole room 
the two who had lifted him to his feet were jones and green upon the face of alec there still dwelt that sweet expression brought from dreamland but softened and beautified in a new way by concern for tom's safety all the roughness had gone out of it awe and pity awe at the storm pity for tom had touched it into refinement all this i say tom took notice of as they raised him to his feet you're not hurt old fellow are you inquired green earnestly not a bit thank god murmured alec i'm glad i went this morning said green tom said harry will help you pull your bed away oh it's no use getting drenched the way i am we don't mind that said green and he and alec sprang forward towards tom's bed they had not taken two steps when there came a dazzling flash of light tom fell violently to the floor pillowed upon the body of someone who had fallen before him where he lay motionless yet conscious and with a feeling as though every muscle and fibre of his body had been wrenched asunder lay there gazing up into a sky now suddenly brilliant with stars into a rainless sky with not a cloud to mar its tranquil beauty the storm was over and as he fell the president's lamp had gone out and in the dazzling brilliance of that awful flash he had seen five boys standing under the cupola go plunging forward violently to the floor while the smell as of burnt powder and of ozone pervaded the whole apartment then almost simultaneously indeed came a deafening noise to the president's ears it sounded like the explosion of a powder magazine at his side but he knew that it was not an explosion of powder he knew too well that it was the thunder following the lightning flash which had stricken down his boys before his very eyes and in the dread hush and darkness that followed the president's voice clear and firm filled the room with the words of sacramental absolution as raising his hand and making the sign of the cross he said ego vos absolvo a peccatis festris in nomine patri et filii et spiritus sancti amen i absolve you from your sins in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost amen the presiding prefect had in the meantime relighted the dormitory lamp which had also gone out in the shock of the lightning stroke and was now standing beside his superior boys continued the latter who in the dim light perceived several moving forms take your clothes on your arm and leave this room quietly one by one go to the infirmary the storm is now over and there is not the least danger on occasion such as this the panic does not immediately follow the catastrophe between the two there is always a law a time when the imagination of each is charging itself with the realization of what has passed with the picturing of what may come that done the panic takes its course the president had taken the right time for speaking had he lost his head for one moment there would have ensued in all probability a frightful scene but his calmness gained the mastery over all quietly noiselessly with pitiful faces the boys passed down the stairs how eagerly he counted them it was the most trying period of his long life six passed three more nine three more twelve the last was the prefect then there was a silence his senses then had not deceived him five had been struck by lightning he had relighted his lamp and now hastened to the other end tom his eyes closed lay with his head pillowed upon green's body near him alec jones calm so quiet beyond was quip breathing heavily with an ugly gash upon his face pitch was in a sitting posture murmuring incoherent words tom cried the president stooping down and catching the boy's hand the eyes opened 
yes sir i'm all right what's happened the president made a slight gesture and bent over green no need to listen for the breath that never would return he moved over to alec jones and a stifled sob burst from his bosom green and jones had been instantly killed had never heard the crash that followed the dazzling stroke had been called suddenly before that god whom they had received at the morning mass into their bosoms it was the first friday tom's wet garments had saved him the electricity had taken its way through his clothes instead of through himself but he did not know at the moment that he had passed forth free from the jaws of death for not one of those now remaining in the dormitory save the president was aware that the power which sent them stunned to the floor was the awful power of the thunderbolt End of chapter 11 Recording by Maria Therese